by doing that, their juices get wound up. And, and obviously, I'm cheering for our side in that drill and trying to get our guys to compete. And if we can compete in that drill, in particular one-on-one, and win our share with a rush and, not, and everybody's doing the right thing, we should be pretty good on Sundays. To get minutes in this program and you know, to make a nice call cheer for is there a murder going on that was awesome i think the level of excitement for all of us is coach gruden does a great job of creating roles for each and every single individual player Uh, with that being said you know i i just have a lot of fun playing in the system and i look forward to just carving out that role and doing whatever i can to help this team win Pull up your pants, take off the bra, and be a man! Well, we have a, a lot of unknowns still. You know, we, um, we got a lot of new faces from other teams. We've got a young group of players that are inexperienced. We're trying to get as much experience as possible. That's why we came out here today. Just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Adam Candy's filling in for Ed Graney today. And Adam, I feel like this is the perfect signing for you to be on the show today because I'm going to need you to confirm that this is a real person, but the Raiders have officially signed Case Cookus, a quarterback uh, who is going to be, I guess, their fourth stringer behind Nathan Peterman. Uh, Did this guy actually play at Northern Arizona? Not only did he play at Northern Arizona, he started as a freshman uh, at Northern Arizona. And there's one thing you need to know about Case Cookus, and I think it's probably the only reason that John Gruden chose to sign him. Uh, Case Cookus, a quarterback, was ejected from an FCS game for targeting. (laughs) And if you have not seen the video, I strongly suggest you go out there and find the video of Case Cookus being tossed from a game for targeting it is absolutely gorgeous and you can tell that john gruden must have had that thrust in front of him and been like man that's a gruden grinder brought him on down case cookus ejected for targeting in a fcs game is this like is he going to be a better safety than jonathan abram i mean they come from the same school of thought right is he see it and hit it is he is he here to get tackling lessons from damon arnett uh, I think that the idea that he could potentially replace Jonathan Abram is well within the realm of possibility. <laughs> um, have Have we seen anything from Case Cookus? And I don't, I can't speak for this from uh, for my NAU Lumberjacks, but have we? Do we know anything about Case Cookus and how he operates around a camera lift? Oh no! Um, I, how, and does and does he hit his own teammates as hard as he does the other team? All right, I just watched the play. Of him targeting on a is like a reverse play, and he's coming back to throw a block, and he gets called for target. Eh, okay, I mean it's not uh, it's not the worst targeting you've seen, but probably a fair call. Were, were you mad when you watched this Northern Arizona game and he got ejected for targeting? No, I watched it and I thought to myself, oh yeah, that's that's about right. <laughs> like, like this is one of those guys where when he came in as a freshman at NAU, we had super high hopes. Like, yeah, we're going to go compete, and you know. We're, we're going to go win a game against Florida Atlantic or so, you know, again, another division one now, but back in the day when we played Florida Atlantic in the FCS playoffs, uh, Case Cookus was one of those guys who made us believe that uh, we could actually compete with UNLV 
Um, and so anyway, um, he's now the Raiders fourth string quarterback because he knows how to hit people. Is he better than Nathan Peterman? No one is better than the Peterman. You know that. Come on. <laughs> Wait, Jared. By the way, go ahead, Adam. Before before Jared, do we think that Nathan Peterman is going to have one of those NFL careers like a Chase Daniel where somehow he shows just enough flashes in seven-on-seven drills that he's going to hang around for like 10 years, make an insane amount of money, and all anyone's ever going to remember him for is throwing five interceptions in a game? Well, that's all anybody's ever going to remember him for, but like Chase Daniel has never thrown five picks in a game. What is Ch- has Chase Daniel thrown five picks in a career? Like he doesn't play enough. Has he thrown? He might not have had thrown five picks in his entire career. Like I, it's and the other part about him making a lot of money, he's only making like a million a year. Like it's not. We're not looking back at Chase Daniel and saying, oh wow, how do he make that much money when we like we will with Nathan Peterman? Like it's a million a year. And hell, he listen. My thing last year, Nathan Peterman gave away a million dollars. He they flush, he flushed it down the toilet because he had a two million dollar deal last year. None of it was guaranteed, but he restructured his deal to start the year for a million dollars, which is basically Nathan Peterman said, I'm not going to make it on this roster past week eight. It was basically the bet that Nathan Peterman made last year. He was on the roster the entire season, which means he would have made $2 million. He threw away a million dollars last year. Okay. You were not allowed to look this up if you don't know it off the top of your head. But since you just said Chase Daniel makes a million dollars a year. No, no, no. I'm, I was trying. I spoke very poorly. I was trying to say Chase Daniel makes more than a million dollars a year. Nathan, oh, okay. Nathan Peterman's not going to make the Chase Daniel money because he's only making a million dollars a year. I got it. Because Chase Daniel has made thirty-seven point yeah. eight million dollars in his career over twelve years, which is just unbelievable. Right, and Peterman's never going to touch that because there's one coach in the league that's going to pay him a million dollars a year, and it's only a million dollars a year, and it's John Gruden. I think Nathan Peterman is in trouble once Case Cookus goes out and makes his first Jonathan Abram hit in camp because Gruden's going to look at that and be like, man, this guy's never going to actually play, but if he does play, look what he's going to do. We're going to have a four-quarterback play in the red zone where Marcus Mariota winds up throwing a touchdown to Derek Carr and Case Cookus is out there lead blocking. It's called back because Case Cookus got called for targeting? Yep. And somehow, except they declined the penalty because, uh, you know, Derek Carr fumbles the ball out the back of the end zone. <laughs> All right. I was at that game. I was at that game. Um, the the best Which part one? is there is there's no targeting in the NFL, right? Like, it's just a penalty. Yeah. So Case Cookus is set up for success here because they're not going to kick him out over one targeting call. All right. How, what is John Gruden's reaction to, in practice, Case Cookus throws an interception and then... While trying to make a play on the ball, he blows up helmet-to-helmet contact with Yannick Ngakwe. Oh, if it's Ngakwe, he's gone. He's dead. Um, but don't you think that there are other players where John Gruden might actually drop Peterman on the spot and make him the third <laughs> string? Like, like if you solved a certain issue for John Gruden, you know, I'm not going to name names, but you know, if there if there's a player he doesn't really know what to do with on that defense, maybe an underperforming free agent signing or or draft pick, like. You think maybe Case Cook is uh, is in here for specifically that purpose? Maybe he's some sort of silent secret assassin? Come in as the fourth string quarterback and injure a starter on our defense. Nobody will suspect we did it on purpose because it's the fourth string quarterback. See, these these are the conversations, Tyler, that make me glad you're back. Because I, I don't know that I don't know that we could have had this before you got here. So no. thank you. Uh, no. Nathan Peterman's only twenty seven. No. 
Good God. He's been when, on the Raiders for a decade. When uh, when was Rich Gannon's uh, like MVP year? How old was he? Because I want to say he was like 36. I don't, wasn't it like 32? I All right. Well, I'm just saying that Nathan Peterman, five to seven more years in this system. He's going to be a, he's going to be the starter. No, 30, 34 was Rich Gannon's first year. Seven more years in this system. Nathan <laughs> Peterman and MVP and 37 Book is it. When, 37 is when Rich Gannon threw for four, 4,600 yards. Book it, Adam Candy. <laughs> I love it. I love every ten, bit of it. And I can't wait years. for Case Cook. I can't wait for Case Cook is to be his backup when he'll, it happens. Yeah, he'll be the Bubby Brewster to his John Elway. Like, he, he, oh, we, we need Peterman to rest more this season. So we're going to bring in Case Cook as, as the to spell him some game. So, okay. You know, who, you know who'll be the third string quarterback that year? Chase Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. Chase Daniel, he has thrown five picks in his career. Uh, he's thrown seven total. He's actually thrown six in the last three years. He went, he went like eight years and only threw one interception. Granted, he only threw like... 50 passes, but he's really racking up those INTs lately. Uh, one quick piece of breaking news going back to that uh, that story about the New York uh, sports books. Uh, Andrew Cuomo just resigned, so who knows? Maybe, uh, maybe super bids can all happen now. Um, so I think that when we look at this situation for the Raiders, the one guy we keep overlooking is Marcus Mariota. Um, how do you think he feels about all this? What do you think Marcus Mariota thinks about Case Cookus coming in and getting signed? I hope if you're Marcus Mariota, you don't care about Case Cookus. <laughs> I hope he is like, who? You, you do not bother to learn his yes. name. He's like, Connor Cook? Uh, no, Case Cook. I don't Is it Case Cookus? I don't even, I'm looking at it. I, it's, it doesn't seem like a right name. It, uh, okay, so I every time, and I assume this is because Adam Candy has some New York in him, it sounds like he's saying Tookus. Case took us would be a much better player. Well, that would make sense why Mayak signed that guy. <laughs> That's true. He does like a good butt. I, I do have a Raiders question. How much did you guys talk about the their like entire front office resigning last we week? Didn't at all. Okay. Are are they about to go bankrupt? There are questions to be asked here, aren't there? Like um, so Mark so for those of you who don't know, Mark Bidane, the president, resigned. That that was like three weeks ago. But like in the last ten days. Their CFO resigned and the club controller resigned, which are both in the financial department of an organization. Like that doesn't just happen, right? Like you don't lose your president, CFO and club controller all within a couple weeks of each other, unless there's something going on. This is an interesting situation because along with those reports were rumors that, you know, not being able to have anybody in the stadium last year was devastating for the Raiders. And we know that Mark Davis is not one of the wealthier owners in the National Football League, although obviously the value of the franchise went up significantly with getting $750 million toward a $2 billion stadium complex. But I was shocked to see Mark Bedane resign. And again, we've had no additional information come out as to why he resigned. But think back to when the Raiders were first just even giving an inkling of coming here. Uh, everything we've read, including that great uh, Don Van Natta story that traces back the history with uh, Davis and Sheldon Adelson, talks about the team of Mark Davis and Mark Bedane 
getting things done. And so it at least has to raise some red flags to say to you, what's going on with this organization? But of course, it's the NFL, so we get no financial data on anything. The only thing we ever know about the NFL is when the Packers <laughs> report on their shareholders and we get some sense of what the payout is uh, from TV, from the league. Yeah, it's... I, I, I'm with you on the whole Mark Bidet and Mark Davis and and like it it had to have been a surprise to Mark Davis and that entire organization that Mark Bidet was leaving because it was just a random Monday like early afternoon press release that had every word or every word was capitalized for some reason like it it was bizarre I, I don't I don't get it and I don't like I don't know what happens here like I don't know we're complete speculation but like they got $750 million. Like, they got a brand new stadium. Are they really having that big of financial issues that all of the important people in terms of the accounting side of this are resigning? Or is, I don't know, it's complete speculation. Might be something else. But it doesn't It doesn't seem ideal if you're the Raiders that those three positions, president, CFO, and club controller, all resigned. It definitely makes you think they've got serious, serious issues going on there. All right, coming up next, Bischoff's Briefs is finally back. And we're taking a look at UNLV, maybe landing a top 50 recruit. Bischoff's Briefs. I wanted you to see these player evaluations that you asked me to do. Bischoff's Briefs. I asked you to do three. Yeah. Bischoff's Briefs. To evaluate three players. Yeah. How many did you do? Bischoff's Briefs. 47. Okay. Actually, 51. I don't know why I lied just then. Bischoff's Briefs today is taking a look at some UNLV basketball recruiting because Richard Isaacs put out his top four teams and UNLV is in the top four along with Arizona State, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma State. Richard Isaacs is a top four. 40 recruit in the class of 2022. He is a top 10 point guard in the class of 2022, according to 24-7 Sports. He would be the eighth best recruit in UNLV history uh, based on 24-7 Sports recruiting rankings. He would be just ahead of Cat and Reinhardt and just behind Good luck, Okanobo. Well, before I continue, Adam, do you want to try to guess the top five recruits in UNLV history? All-time history? Well, recruiting rankings only exist since like 1999, 2000. So no, oh, you're not okay. Gonna, yeah, just like 24-7's highest ranked player. So no, you're not going to have Ooh, oh, Greg Anthony, Anthony and Larry Johnson on there. Anthony Bennett's got to be up there. Anthony Bennett is number one. Okay. All right. I, I feel accomplished now. It's like family feud. I just won the board. So no matter whatever happens, I'm good. How about Rashad Vaughn? He is number two. Okay. All right. How about Steven Zimmerman? He is number three. You are going in order. I'm going to get a little, it's going to get a little sketchy for me here. Um, all right. Give me a hint on number four. Uh, give you a hint. Let's see. Uh, that's too easy of a hint. Um, give me a hint on either of the last two. Uh, they are both big men. Four and five are both big men. Um, uh, too late for Kaspar's Kambala. <laughs> Can't be George Ackles. <laughs> Moses Scurry's out. Ah, oh, boy, this is going to get challenging. They're both. Bi- oh, oh, Brandon McCoy. Brandon McCoy is number four. Okay. Oh, boy. And the last one is a big man, too, huh? I can give you a hint that would probably give it away. 
Uh, yeah, I don't think I'm going to get it. He's the uh, most successful NBA player from UNLV in the last five years, ten years. Oh, Chris Wood. N- incorrect. Patrick Paul. He's a big man. Dang it. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a second. You said the most successful player from UNLV. Yes. That's Christian Wood. It depends on how you're gauging success, but... By, I, I don't know, by performing well on the court in statistical measure and getting a contract? Doesn't yeah. Patrick McCall have two rings? Three rings. Three rings? Yes, rings that he's done very little to accomplish. All right, let's get back to the point here. Um, you still get to keep them. Well, I mean, Kim Birch? It is Kim Birch. Okay. Those are your top five recruits in UNLV history. Christian Wood uh, is number nine on the list. Uh, worse than Good Luck Okonobo and Cat and Reinhardt. Uh, Dwayne Morgan would have been number six, by the way. So there are a couple interesting parts to this Richard Isaacs recruit. First off, TJ Otzelberger was not recruiting Richard Isaacs. Uh, the Las Vegas Sun quoted Richard Isaacs as saying, I started hearing from UNLV right when Coach Kruger got the job. I didn't get recruited by the previous staff for some reason. That was kind of odd. But right when Coach Kruger got the job, he prioritized me. So UNLV is looking at having a shot at landing a top 40 kid simply because Kevin Kruger called him. And TJ Otzelberger didn't do that when Otzelberger was here. So there's a couple interesting parts of that. Number one, why? Like what's like what's the reasoning? What did Otzelberger see or not see? Like why was he not recruiting a top 40 kid that apparently would have been interested in UNLV. Uh, There had to have been some reason that Otzelberger didn't go after Richard Isaacs. And then the other part is it's to me, it's just interesting to see it play out where you clearly had an assistant coach who strongly disagreed with what his head coach was doing. Like you would never get an assistant coach to say anything like that, but we got to see this specific scenario where Kevin Kruger probably wanted to be recruiting Richard Isaacs while Kevin Kruger was an assistant at UNLV and Otzelberger had no interest in it. But as soon as Kruger got the job, Richard Isaacs was somebody they were recruiting. So that's an interesting dynamic. I don't know that we'll ever get an answer to what exactly happened there, but that is fun to see. The other fascinating part is that Richard Isaacs would be a freshman on next year's team. And I think we're going to see a much more limited number of freshmen being recruited to UNLV and a lot of places in college basketball. There was a story a couple weeks ago from CBS Sports where they talked to a bunch of college coaches, including like Bruce Pearl, and a lot of them basically said the new transfer rule where everyone gets one free transfer, they think it's going to hurt high school kids the most simply because as a coach, you can fill whatever hole is on your roster or build your roster entirely with transfers. Like you don't even really have to look at the high school kids. You can get a more proven player for better words. You can get a more proven player that you already have seen what they can do at the college level. And that's, Kind of what Kevin Kruger did this offseason. It's not the best example because he took over in the, in the offseason and it wasn't a full recruiting cycle. But he does only have one freshman coming in, and it's Sean Gilbert. Everything else on his roster is either guys he got to stay or guys that he went out and got as transfers coming in. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that trend continue in the future where freshman classes come into UNLV it's one or two players instead of four or five, right? Maybe if you strike out on transfers, you go add some more freshmen. But I, I think we're going to see a lot of schools where, okay, we are our priority is going to be the transfer market. Who can we get in the transfer market? 
and then fall back on the freshman class and the incoming guys. And it makes Richard Isaacs and it makes, you know, this happening in August interesting because he's a top 40 kid. And I think most schools, they're not going to ignore a high school kid that's in the top 40. If you're a top 40 player, top 50 player, you're going to get the chance to go play somewhere. But I'm curious where that cutoff is. How hard is UNLV recruiting a guy that's ranked 92nd or 123rd, which is those are a lot of the kids they've gotten in recent years. How hard are they recruiting that player? Because that seems like the type of guy who, well, I can get this transfer that was sitting on the bench at a big 12 school and probably get better production right away than I can from the 105th best high school player in the country. So I'm curious to see how that ends up playing out over the next few years with UNLV and really all of college basketball and recruiting is sort of where is that cutoff of, okay, we're not really recruiting below this level because we can do better than that on the transfer market. Well, it, all it does, Tyler, in the end is make the system and the process more realistic. It makes it look more like the rest of the world where you have an opportunity to evaluate talent on the same level that you will be using that talent before choosing to bring it on. And look, top freshmen, and I know you're saying whether it's 40 or 50 or 90, if you have talent, you're going to find a place to play, period. And there are going to be schools that don't have the option to work the transfer market the same way. It's schools that don't have bigger coaches, bigger brands, deeper pockets. Let's be honest here. So there are going to be places for these freshmen to play. It just means that a coach like Kevin Kruger, who doesn't want to have a Marvin Menzies first season, can go out there and find some more proven guys, guys who, you know, most of the Kevin Kruger mold appears to be from larger programs, players who didn't have big opportunities, who want to come and try to, you know, get more minutes and make something happen for themselves. Great. But I'm not going to go crying for, for a, a top 90 freshman who is still going to have a place to play and still going to get an opportunity to prove themselves somewhere. Yeah, there's still going to be the same amount of scholarships available. Like, it's not like anybody is, there's not less spots. It'll just be a different way that those players are distributed across college basketball. And really, where do you fit in? Is UNLV going to be a team that's able to land the transfers that actually make an impact in year one? Or will they be one of the schools that has to go and take, okay, we missed on a bunch of transfers that we thought could have helped. So now we're going to take some guys from high school that have some more potential or might help us down the road instead of right away. And I think if you're UNLV, you're hoping you fit into the realm of, okay, we can get impact transfers right away, but it's not a program that's actually been very good recently. And there's a chance that they didn't get the transfers we wanted because we haven't won in a long time. So you do end up having to go back to those recruits. It'll be, it's interesting to see what'll happen here in the next few years, but you'll still have, it might, you'll probably have better freshmen playing at worse schools that ultimately transfer after like their sophomore year and end up at the school they would have been recruited to initially as a freshman before the transfer rule had changed. So at the end of the day, maybe nothing changes, but oh well, it'll still be fun. All right, coming up next. What are we doing next? I didn't book a guest. Oh, I'm going to complain about something. Adam, you'll probably enjoy this because it has to do with betting, but I, I I was very mad over the weekend about paramutual betting. They really want to win, and so do I. I think whenever you're, you look around the league, every guy that's that's kind of had some stuff happen this offseason, they just want to win. They want to win Super Bowls. I mean, that's what you want to do in this profession. If you feel like it's not being done, you're trying to do whatever you can to get there. Um, and having uh, Coach Reed and having Brett Veach and knowing the commitment they have for this organization and to win 
that, that, that's what allowed me to sign the contract that I did, is I knew that those guys were going to be around. I talked to them before that, and I know they're going to surround me with great players and a chance to win every single season. And we hold each other accountable, um, and we go out there, and, and we try to do whatever we can to win every single week, and that's why I think that we have this relationship that we have. His voice is never not delightful. <laughs> I was, uh, I'm always surprised a little bit with Lamar Jackson's voice, too. He's country. Yeah, Lamar Jackson's voice is a little bit shocking, too. But Patrick Mahomes, it's I don't think you'll ever get used to the voice that Patrick Mahomes has. All right, Adam, are you ready for me to complain to you? What Why, the hell well, you're, is you're starting now? Betting? Yes. I'm. Well, yeah, I know. It's been two and a half hours. What the hell is paramutual betting? So one day last week, I went to Del Mar Racetrack and I bet on real horses, not just my wonderful fake horses. I bet on real horses. And in the second race that I was there, I went and bet on a horse. Uh, he was 10 to 1. Vikings plunder. He was 10 to 1. I just bet on him straight up to win. 10 to 1, $10 bet. Vikings plunder won the race. And I was pumped because I had just won $100. I go to cash my ticket. Oh, no. I only got 90 bucks back. Because apparently, before the race started, he dropped from 10 to 1 to 8 to 1. And in paramutual betting... You don't get the bet that you made it at. You get whatever the final odds are. What the hell is that? Everyone shares. Tyler, I know that you don't like Ridiculous. sharing. Ridiculous. Everyone shares. The odds move based on how everyone is betting, and everyone shares the winnings. You're not betting against the house. You're betting against the other people who are betting on horses. I know that they probably don't have this for fake horse. But, we do not. No, we do not have paramutual betting for fake horse or high card or goodwill rush or any of my other horses. Goodwill rush. Hmm. How do you think your horses would do at Del Mar? Um, I don't know. They've never had to turn. They just run straight. What? what? <laughs> Their fake racetrack doesn't even turn? Yeah, it's just a straightaway. What sort of Atari game is this? Yeah, it's from, yeah, a, yeah, it's it's from Atari. Atari's behind it or part of it or something like that. They just oh. run straight. Yeah. That's wow. Okay. So your technology in which you're trying to make money is based on Pong. All right. Interesting. Yeah, no, they um, sold they sold a special edition horse that had like a big Pong logo on it too. This is awful. Everything I'm saying that I think is <laughs> just a callback to the eighties is actually still happening. All right. Yep. Um so were were you very disappointed to still walk away with ninety dollars? Like you I, walked away with ninety dollars, right? I was I was devastated with that because it should have been uh, it should have been one hundred and ten dollars, not ninety. And then also because I still didn't quite put together what was happening when I'd only got ninety dollars back. But also there was another race, and as I was walking up to the uh, little kiosk to make my bets for it, they announced that some horse had been scratched from a race, right? And I pull it up, and that horse had, like, the third best odds. But all the other horses' odds had stayed the same so far. And I was like, oh, I'm here at the perfect time, and I bet on the, the first and second best horses by odds. Because I was like, the odds haven't updated yet. This is going to be a great number on the two favorites in this race. And they, it was like, you know, 4 to 2 and 5 to – or 4 to 1 and 5 to 1. And then by the time the race started, they're 3 to 2 and 2 to 1, and one of them won. And I was still mad, even though I had another winning horse – was that I didn't get as much money as when I initially placed the bet like I thought I was getting. You made money. You won. You won I your should bet. have made more money, Adam. If this was normal sports betting and not whatever the hell paramutual betting was, I would have made more money. 
Well, you'll be very excited to know, Tyler, that out in New Jersey, fixed odds horse racing is coming back. <gasps> so I need to move to New Jersey? That doesn't sound like a win. Uh, you're the one who wants to be able to bet on something other than paramutual. Apparently, now real horses and fake horses are part of your ecosystem in some way. Yeah. I, I don't. When did this happen, by the way? When did when did you all of a sudden become a horse guy? Well, the fake horses happened a few months ago. Uh, with... No, but you no, but no, no, no. You are now officially a horse guy. There's no getting away from it. You. You are a horse guy. You are. You have to have like a cigar hanging out of your mouth and three buttons open on your shirt at all times. Ooh. You have to be the stereotypical horse guy now. We're going to get you a medallion. I mean, listen, mm -hmm. it sounds like a great lifestyle. I am all on board with this becoming who I am. Have you consulted with Brandy about this? Because I'm assuming her family was there for this uh, outing at Del Mar, right? Yes, they were. Yes, it was great. Okay. Oh, you want to know? what? You know, you'll love this, Adam. Before you ask me whatever question you're going to ask me. While I was at Del Mar watching real horses race, my fake horses were also racing at the same time. How did you even decide what to what to pay attention to? My God. Well, here's the good thing about horse racing. It doesn't take very long for one race to happen, so I didn't have to miss either one. I could watch my fake horses race a couple of times because they never get tired, and then I could watch the real horses race. I The best thing that happens, by the way, at the Del Mar fairgrounds uh horse track slash fairgrounds is the kaboo festival every year and that 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 didn't happen this year i think the concerts that go on at del mar are far more entertaining than any of the horse races i think you should have been there for that instead of beginning this new life of yours um as a horse player this, I, I this new life I'm, of mine I'm, sounds I'm very great. confused this new i'm life very of confused mine, by this it sounds great it sounds like a well, phenomenal way to do this now, were you were you betting your own money, or, or was your was your girlfriend's family bankrolling all this? No, for you? no, it was my own money. It was great. I had to I had to figure out the damn kiosk thing because you got to put your money into one machine and get a voucher, and then go to another machine to bet. What? That seemed very stupid. That's insane. Yeah, but uh, once I got that figured out, yeah, it was my own money. <sighs> wow, did anybody else win, or, or was it just you? No, no, other people won too. We were we were uh, somebody my girlfriend's dad knows. Uh, owned one of the horses. and we Oh, all, here we go with the yeah, insider information. Yeah, we all bet on his horse, and that horse won. It was great. Now, now did you bet on this horse because you knew that that horse had been, like, super doped up by Bob Baffert? No, they were telling us not to bet on it. Like, we should have bet more on the horse. I only bet $10 on their horse. They should, and Because they, they were saying, well, you know, his, things have to go right for him. He could win it. But they were convincing us not to bet on the horse. And I Did you wear an Astros jersey to Del Mar? Uh, I don't remember what I wore, which reminds me, I should probably get some sort of t-shirt or jersey for my fake horses, shouldn't I? Can that I, reminds you as yeah. though you've thought about this yes, before? Yes, I have. Can oh. I Can I make, I don't want to wear a suit. Can I make jerseys a thing in, in horse racing? No, I think you absolutely can, can make your own way here because every time you watch one of these big races and you see the horse owners... They're all dressed like they're going to some sort of, you know, Miami beach party and it gets kind of cliche after a while. So I think if you want to create something where you have a t-shirt on that is a picture of you over the computer doing something with your fake horse, it's a t-shirt that is a photo of you working on your fake horse on the computer. Well, okay. I am, I do like myself a lot, but I would just put the fake horse on the t-shirt. I wouldn't no, but put that, myself that, what, on What it. good is that? No, the, the fake horse doesn't do anything by itself. You're the only reason the fake horse exists. 
No, they run they run by themselves. They don't even have a jockey in, in fake horse racing. They just run down the track by themselves. So these horses are okay. Um would you would you like to know one of my betting strategies? Uh, because the jockeys are mostly the same in every race, I just bet on uh, the horse that had the jockey with the first name Tyler in every race. Um, now were you were you able to get in on any of the races where Jose Altuve was riding? No. The, oh man, so the jockeys are smaller than Jose Altuve. Oh my God, they're short. I think you would make a great jockey. That's incredible. I'm, I'm too tall, aren't I? No, not you, Jose Altuve. Oh, it's too big. He's too like big, like thick. The jockeys are not just five foot. They're also like they're skinnier than you and I. They're skinnier than minus sixty pounds. Adam Candy. Ugh, that doesn't seem plausible. Okay, right? Exactly. They're tiny. Yeah. Jared has uh. gone from his uh, face was in his hands about two minutes ago to just head down on the desk in front of him. This is the second time we've mentioned horse racing in the last two weeks, and I can't. I, I I'm literally across Las Vegas. I am hearing anyone under the age of forty turning off their radio. Oh, you were under the impression someone under the age of forty was listening to us. Both of the listeners who are under forty turned off their radio. No, no, because what you have, what you have is uh, the Lotus Broadcasting elder millennial talking about his fake horses. It's fantastic. Um, Jared, what do you prefer, talking about real I... horse racing or talking about fake horse racing? Oh, good God! I guess the fake horse racing, because at least there are elements where we can make fun of you. The real horse racing is just brutal. All right, so about my fake horses. Adam, oh, the last God. time I talked to you, how much money did I tell you we had made? Um, you really think I remember this? I was not paying nearly that much oh, attention. Okay, well, I think it was like $3,000 at the time. Uh, we are now total profits up to $6,500. Total profits. Now, is this net or gross? Like, Does this, in, does this cover anything you've already put into it? Yes, yes, we are. Yeah, we started out with a nine hundred dollars horse. We are yeah. up to sixty five hundred dollars. If yes. you're up to sixty five hundred dollars, but you are a minority investor and not yes. going to make much out of this. Okay. Yes, got it. but we also still have twenty horses in our stable, and their estimated value is over thirty thousand dollars for those twenty horses. Estimated value. No one has actually paid you this money for them. Well, we haven't put them up for sale because they have use. All the other ones we put up for sale have sold. I almost feel like baseball card collecting would be an improvement for you. No, they don't race against each other. These race, you get, I get to watch them race against other horses. It's amazing. Have I told you, you find Atari-level entertainment yeah, have to I, be amazing? Have I told you about the chickens? Oh, God, no. <laughs> you can ship them in the mail. <laughs> That's an Ed Graney take. Um, there is going to be fake chicken racing. And... Um, Okay, now we're talking. Yeah, we're I uh, we're, I actually we're interested. Why, why? Why? Yeah, what's the difference? Oh, because I find the idea of racing these chickens far more entertaining than uh, than the horse races. I'm not, you know, there, there's no chicken race I can go out there and see this weekend uh, in Las Vegas. I I could drive down to Delmar and go watch the horses if I want to. Uh, fake chicken racing. I, I, I'm listening. All right. So why in the hell are we racing the chickens? You have them fight. No, no, that's against the law. So, okay, now, no, Jared, no. That, that's keep, the, the one problem with the with cockfighting is, is that it's inhumane to the animals. 
Keep there Missouri no in Missouri. Okay. Keep Missouri in Missouri. Tyler, continue. All right, hold on, Jared. You're there. There's an element of fighting in this. So each chicken uh, will have like a power that oh it has. Oh my god! All right, now I'm in. And so, like for example, one of the chickens' powers is like a catapult. It just shows up on the track and launches the chicken ahead of everybody. Awesome. Um, there's one that's like a walking move. Uh, move. What's the word? Walking sidewalk or something like that. Like they have in the airport. Yeah, you know? like a moving, like a yeah. moving uh, walkway. Uh, moving yeah. walkway. That's the phrase I was trying to get out of my mouth. But one of them is called CK47, where the chicken has a gun ooh, and turns around ooh. and shoots other chickens. Oh no! This isn't Last Boy Scout. Like I don't want like this. This is going to go a little dark here. I don't want. No, I'm not participating in anything where the chickens are killing each other. They with don't guns. kill each other. They just maim them because the, the chicken doesn't die. You get to race the chicken again. It just maims them temporarily. Yeah, but don't you think that would? I mean, I have to assume that brings down the future value of the chicken if he has been shot by another chicken. Yeah, we got good. We got good like chicken hospitals. They're we they're got chicken re- doctors recover quickly. Um, but the, the chickens haven't started yet. Like they drop the chickens, we purchase the chickens, but racing is not going to be here until mid October. So we got to wait a while before we get to see our chickens race. Now, are there NFT eggs? Like, are you are you able to to monetize these chickens in some way prior to the races? Um, well, we can buy and sell them. We have done a lot of buying and selling in the last like month since we bought them. Uh, but once the chickens are, once it's live, we'll be able to breed them just like the horses. So here's what I think. Here's, here's the way this needs to go. I think you need to go and continue betting on real horses and making big money, becoming a horse player, like medallion cigar in the mouth, horse player. You need to go continue to make that money to support your fake horses and fake chickens. I was thinking the other way around. The fake no, ones. The fake ones no. I've made more money off the fake ones than the real ones. You haven't even tried with the real ones yet. Hey, that was hard. I got I got a lot of luck that I bet on I bet on the jockey named Tyler and won. That's not a realistic game plan. 15 minutes of my life I'm never getting back. Coming up next, we find out how to disappoint Jared even more. You're locked in the press box. Adam, Jared said he has an important question for you, so I'm going to turn it over to Jared now and and watch this uh, great third segment of the last hour of the show go very poorly now. Yay. Thanks, Adam. Okay, so in the last segment, you made a last Boy Scout reference. Did you expect Tyler to understand that at all without, like, First of all, you made a last Boy Scout reference, and second of all, like, what what was your expectation for Tyler to understand that? No, you fail to understand the fact that when I make a pop culture reference, I know Tyler has no chance of getting it. I'm just hoping that he asks about it or that he just acts really confused, because either way, I feel like I win. I ignored it, uh, but what is the last Boy Scout? Jared, do you want to tell him what specifically I was referring to? Uh, okay, so there's a scene in The Last Boy Scout where a guy is running a football and he pulls out a gun and starts shooting people on a football field. <laughs> and then somehow Bruce Willis gets involved. Is this well, a basically movie? the opening to the movie? Like, yeah, like the guy the only... is running down the field, dodging tackles, and then all of a sudden pulls out a gun and shoots the defenders. And I thought, well, that sounds like Tyler's fake chicken races. Is this a movie I should have heard of? 
Mm, probably not. Okay. No, it, it, it is both not all that good and not from your generation. Okay. Um, but it a... does have what is a, a like what I think is a very very relatable reference. It's but you also like at least you referenced the only good scene in the oh, last yeah. Boy Scout. Oh, absolutely. Oh no, no, no without question. No, no, they're like and and understand something here as well. I I am not exactly pop culture savvy. Like like I am the person where I tell my friends if you're going to use the the intro to a sentence, oh, have you seen that show slash movie? The answer is no. And yet I still feel wholly superior to Tyler when we start having these conversations. <laughs> it's just, it's genuinely, I don't know. That, that random scene is, I, I'm trying to think of another movie where it's like, there's one good part and the rest of it is terrible. And I, like, all depends on your perspective, I guess. But uh, my my question to you, Jared, since you got to ask me a question, uh, Tyler's lack of movie slash TV slash pop culture knowledge versus Ed's lack of music knowledge, which is more appalling? Okay, so it's 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 close. It's Tyler, but only because Ed can pull the age card out at any time. Like he can just be like, ah, you know, I'm a. It's not from my generation, even though he doesn't know the Rolling Stones. <laughs> and then changed Guns and Roses to ACDC mid sentence. Uh, yeah, but he can pull the age card on that. Where I mean, it's he's not even that old. Well, he's not even. Yeah, he's he, he's not even like you know geriatric, but he can at least pull that card. Where Tyler, it's like. He's had streaming available basically his entire life. The internet, cable is ubiquitous. Man has seen nothing. Okay, Tyler, have you have you now watched Ted Lasso? Nope. He's it involves me. sports, I'm comedy, aware. and soccer. Fully aware. Absolutely. I know. I know. Everybody tells me it's perfect for me. I know. And so I you haven't that. because. Um, uh, to throw my girlfriend under the bus, we're going to watch it together and we have not found the time to watch together. No, and that's true. You haven't spent any time together recently, so I don't know how you would be able to do that. <laughs> we're not going to watch it on vacation. Why would no, who, who watches a movie on vacation when you can be out there betting on jockeys named Tyler? Why? Wait, wait. <laughs> I, I thought the vacation was just your dad, her dad, and the brother. <laughs> I didn't know she was even on the vacation with yeah, you. Occasionally, she was she was around. Um, no, I have not watched Ted Lasso. I will blame my girlfriend for that. So, okay, you can you can blame her. Um, now, what I don't understand, maybe Jerry can help me out here. Um, you had your dad there. You had her dad there. You basically had like the perfect like warm moment proposal scenario with like both families there. Oh, there will not be a proposal in front of a family member. That seems very definite for something that you're oh. not even sure is going to happen. Oh, there will not. That that is absolutely not going to be a part of the proposal. No chance. You want it to be in private, so it's like if a tree falls in the forest, but nobody's there. You don't know if it actually happened. Exactly. Like, what's the thing? And I won't tell any of you. I'll tell. You'll Desiree, only tell Desiree, Desiree Francois. Francois, and nobody else will know. We'll have to follow Jackson Francois <laughs> to find out Tyler's been in, gotten. By engaged. the way, my favorite detail of that whole thing is Pete Thamel reporting that her son is going to walk on at the Missouri basketball team in two years. 